want to um, go to the book of Titus with me. <clears throat> this morning, that we're going to um, encourage you, if you're part of our uh, family, if you're a member of Bible Fellowship Church out in the foyer, some envelopes. We'd like for you to grab those envelopes. Um, we're uh, in the process of selecting leadership um, for 2018. Uh, I told the first hour, one of the neat things about Bible Fellowship as a family is that the pastor is not in charge. Uh, we're in the process of uh, praying and asking the Lord to give us direction for elders. Uh, and so when you go out there and you pick up uh, your envelope, I'm going to encourage you to do a couple things. First thing I want you to do is grab it. Uh, you'll be amazed how many people leave it out there for a couple of weeks. We have a couple of weeks to get it back. So grab the envelope. Then I'm encourage you, the next step is, is to open up your Bible and spend some time sitting down with an open Bible and that paperwork. And what I also want you to know is that as we select leadership and part of leadership of Bible Fellowship Church, it is not a popularity contest. And so as we ask the Lord to give us direction for elders and um, as deacons as well, as we ask the Lord to give us direction, we're asking you give one nomination. You say, I, you, just, you mark it, um, and you say, I'll, you go through and the, it'll tell you two or three names. Mark those two or three names. That just because you've marked it, we will go through and look at that paperwork and say, Lord, is this another a next leader of Bible Fellowship Church? Is this the person that you want us to put in? It could be you could get one vote or you could get twenty five votes. The number of votes don't matter. What matters is is this is this where God is leading us and directing us as far as leadership for Bible Fellowship Church in two thousand and eighteen. As you take that, I just want you to take the passage of Scripture with you as you think your way through that. Pick it up in Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. And there's others, but an elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to, to charge of being wild and disobedient, see an, seen as an overseer is entrusted, uh, see, sent, I'm sorry, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. As we think about leadership people for Bible Fellowship Church, I realize that there's not one of us sitting in this room that qualifies perfectly with this list. We're asking God as we take the word of God and names of, that have been placed before us to say, God, is this person a person that kind of looks like this, that their heart and lifestyle is like this? And if you believe that, please mark that on that piece of paper. Give it back to us. And I want you to know why this is important for us, for me, for Pastor Andy, for Pastor Adam. We have a lot of different ministries here at Bible Fellowship Church. And every ministry has an elder who oversees that ministry. So if we have something, somebody involved in missions, we have an elder over the missions department. We have, we have women's ministry, we have an elder over women's ministry. Uh, we have youth ministry, we have an elder over youth ministry. Small groups, um, men's ministry, women's ministries. Uh, we can go on, I could tell you some more, but I'll, I'll forget the ones and then somebody will be upset that I forgot them. So I won't give you an exhaustive list. Those individuals, our elders, pray and meet with those people and say, God, what do we need to do in these ministries? It's exciting to be part of a family 
that not one person's in charge, but we are a family. And we work together as a family. And so the next couple of weeks leading in up to the, the, the final months of, the, of this year, God will, will spend some time praying, asking the Lord to give us direction for those leadership positions, and then we will get with you at the beginning of the year and to let you know who the elder board is, who the deacon board is. Um, so we're excited about the opportunity. But before I leave this, um, I want to say some things to you first. Often we t- if we think about leadership, I want to think about you. What about you this morning? What's important for you? Because we'll have a tendency to go over there and we'll grab those pieces of paper and we say, well, uh, 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 you know, and you can go on down the list. Well, I don't like this person. I don't like this. I'm not going to vote for anybody. Well, that's true, but what that shows is a spiritual immature heart. And we need to challenge your heart towards discipleship. And so this morning, as you get opportunity, or maybe you're not a member of Bible Fellowship Church, so if you, even if you're not a member, I want to challenge you in this. Part of who we are as a family is discipleship. It's not good enough for us just to have you in this room. We don't count it successful saying, hey, we're really successful as a family if we get you here on Sunday mornings. That's not success to us. It's good to have you here. It's exciting to have you here. But what is neat for us is we want to encourage discipleship. You sitting with the Word of God every single day, saying, God, grow me up spiritually. The other part of what we want to be involved in as a family is we want to encourage you to be involved in the community. There are people's lives that are broken that have no hope, and we have the answers. I told the um, first hour, if we had, if I had an opportunity for you to invest, and I know I have some investment friends, and so if I had an opportunity, which I do not have this opportunity, I'm not an investment broker, but if I had this opportunity to say, look, I can guarantee you 25% on your return for your money, would you give me your money? Yeah. Because most of the times we go to investment opportunities, we're looking at seven, eight. If we really get lucky over a long period of time, 10% is pretty good numbers. So if I could offer you 25%, you would say to me, hey, I'll bring some money. And guess what? You're going to go find your friend. And you're going to tell your friend, hey, I know this individual that they're guaranteeing you 25% return on your money. You're going to go find them. I got something better than 25% return on a dollar. I know where I'm spending eternity. And I have hope today, no matter what goes on in my life, no matter what the surrounding looks like, no matter what the situations look like, I have somebody that I can go to in any and every situation. I have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. The community needs Jesus. Guess what? You're his workmanship. Let's do the job. He created you for good works. Let's get out in the community and do the good works. Let the community see that there's something different about us. Also, as you think about that, I also want to encourage you in this. Now, I realize when I say prayer, we are go back to the, I guess for me, I guess I don't know for all of you, but for me, our prayer meetings at church were pretty boring when I was a kid. Usually I could get a pretty good nap if I made it, made it that far. Even if you got me there, if my dad could get me there, it was pretty boring. Okay, and so when you hear the word prayer, you're like, you know what, I'm not going back and doing that again. And I've already shared a little bit about with you what this coming weekend is going to be about on Saturday morning. I just challenge you to be there because your life will be blessed. If you stop your world and say, God, I need to meet with the all-power, supernatural God this morning, I need to commune with you. 
And oftentimes when we think about prayer, we're thinking about, you know, the list, great-grandma's big toe. Lord, she's got an ingrown toenail, and we're going to pray for great-grandma's big toe. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things, but I don't pray that way anymore. Saying, God, what is your will for my great-grandmother? God, maybe you allowed her to have ingrown toenails. She'll learn to grow up and spiritually mature, learn some perseverance. God, it's not my decision. It's not about me. So I want to encourage you, one, to be with with us as a family. We're interceding for people's lives. On Wednesday nights, if you show up around, I challenge you to be here on a Wednesday night. Come in this room. We need you here, and we need you you volunteering. We need you here. But people that we are ministering with, their lives are broken and messy. And the only one that's going to help them is Jesus. And so the last thing that I want to say to you on this part, what about you, is we need you to serve. We need help. And I'm not going to beg you for help. Adam hasn't come to me and said, would you mind preaching a message on serving? Chris and Dana haven't come to mind, come to me and say, hey, I think you need to preach a message on serving. No. It happened two weeks ago. I got in the gray van. And I told Chris and Dana, I said, you know what? Susan and I will take the kids home tonight. They said, okay, fine. So I don't know if you know, but we have an opportunity to pick up some children. They're not our most needy children. All of our children are needy. All of our children are broken. All of our children need Jesus. But these are the ones that we have the opportunity to drop off on Wednesday night to their houses. And I'm not going to tell you all the details about what the conversation was like in the gray van, but it would blow your socks off. So I'm riding home thinking, you know what, Lord? I don't mind driving the gray van on Wednesday nights because I want to serve. And I want to hear their stories and I want to hear their brokenness because I know there's hope for these little people. I can't rescue them. I can't fix them. I would like to. I'd like just to have all the money in the world saying, you know what, just come live at our house. But then they would be messed up because I'm there, so that's not going to do any better anyway. Okay? But their worlds are broken. Our church kids' worlds are broken. You know who's going to rescue them? Jesus. So we need you to be part of our family. Guess what we've, we learned? And you know this. 90% of the work gets done by what? 10%? 10%. Oh, you are my king. Well, you know, I, I serve in part. <laughs> yeah, I'll just let so-and-so do it. They've been doing it for long enough. They really don't need me. If you feel like that, that's our fault. We should have found an opportunity for you. And I'm not saying that we're going to have, you know, meaningful conversations where you're going to get an opportunity to, to be involved in this, maybe a deep theological conversation. You might get that. You may have an opportunity just to be able to share the gospel with a kid. You might have the opportunity to just go throw a football with a young man that's never had a dad say, hey, I love you. an opportunity to put a bandit on somebody that fell down outside and they don't have a parent at home that cares for them. I don't know what it is. I know I am work, God's workmanship and you are God's workmanship. Come be part of our family. You might get the joy of sitting in the classroom. We keep moving the rooms around and forward and back and the lighting's not great, but you might get to sit in a classroom where, where children walk in to memorize scripture and tell you the Bible verses. Or you might just get a chance to carry out the trash. I don't know. There's opportunities in our family that could use you.
That's my sermon one. Sermon two. It's not quite that bad, but Matthew chapter 6. Take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 6. Sometimes um, in my mind, I've kind of titled this message, you know, Jesus is going to take the gloves off here. He's just going to let them have it. Matthew chapter 6, in the middle of the Beatitudes, Jesus has got a group around him. He's going to teach them. And so he's kind of brought them to a point now where he's going to say, you know, I've given you some great biblical information. He's taught them about adultery. He's taught them about divorce. He's taught them about murder. He's reminded them that you are the light of the world. He's reminded them that the word of God's not going to go anywhere. He gave them the Beatitudes. He talked to them about loving their enemies. And now he's going to say two things this morning, uh, for sake of time, two things. First, giving to the needy. And the second one, he's going to teach them how to pray. And what you have to remind yourself is the Pharisees are sitting in the crowd. These are the ones that had it all together on the outside. When they would go give to the needy, they would go stand at the street corner and say, this is who we are, look what we did. We gave this amount of money. We blessed this person this way. Or when they would go, they would go um, uh, to prayer. And I don't know if you were ever a part of this, but for some reason in my church, when people would pray on Sunday mornings when I was a kid, they had all these words that I never heard before. And I always thought it was interesting. I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I peek. Because if you're reading to me, I'm thinking, are you trying to impress me? Just share what's on your heart. I don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't have an outline if you want to have an outline. But it doesn't need to be about all these latest news words that you never use at Home Depot or at McDonald's or Burger King, but you're going to use them on a Sunday morning because you want us to think you're special. Get rid of all those words. That's who the Pharisees were. They get to church, and boy, they can let it rip for 20 minutes. I don't know if it's exactly that long. They could pray for a long time, eloquent of speech, but they were empty in their soul. Look with us. But inside, they were hypocrites. So this morning, as you gather around Scripture, you're going to look at two things. And, it's, and I realize he's talking to the Jews, and I realize he's sitting on the mount, and he's telling them all these things, but he's saying something to you. And he's going to do it two ways. First off, how do we give to the needy? And then do you really pray right? Is your personal time with Jesus really what he taught them? So, giving to the needy. Take your Bible and go to um, Matthew chapter 6, first four verses. We'll take those first four verses. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A couple of things that I want you to see, a couple of things that I've circled in my Bible. First one is, is be careful. 
There's a temptation, as Jesus is teaching, there's a temptation for, look at me. There's a temptation when there's opportunities to help those around us that we want to make sure that everybody around us sees what we've done. Guess what? If that's your heart, you've got all the reward you're going to get. It's here on this earth. It's over. So as he's teaching these people about opportunities that's going to have to live, look what else he said. Look at the next part, the second thing. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with hypocrites. It's almost like he expects them to give. It's not like he words it, well, if it fits your schedule, if it fits your budget, if it fits your lifestyle, if it's convenient for you. No, no. It's almost like Jesus expects us to do things for those who are needy. So when? Not if, not but. So when? There's a need that is around you. Step in and be involved. You know what's interesting? We should be the most giving people out there. Why? Because we've received. Ephesians chapter 2. You were there, but for the grace of God, we have now. So having now just doesn't mean say, well, you know, I have this. This will be really nice. I'm going to enjoy this. No. There should be some actions that are different. So when we give it, get an opportunity, it's not like, oh, stink. Now I have to serve again. Oh, really? i got to go help somebody that's needy? May we never get over the concept what has been done for us. May we never, gra- never stop grasping that. May it move us emotionally every single time that we pause and remind ourselves what was given to us. We were talking this morning, Ed gave us a verse about love. And so he asked us, give, us some, give me some verses that describe God's love for you. And so we sat around the room this morning talking. Some people brought up Romans. Some people brought up Ephesians. I was thinking about in John when he said, it is finished. All the way to death. All the way to the choice of the words when he said, it is over. You didn't kill me. It's finished. I choose to die. I choose to give up my life. I choose to serve. I choose to humble myself. It wasn't like he was on the cross taking his last breath saying, hey, Dad, you messed this up pretty bad this time. I didn't know it was going to mean all of this. He took his last breath and he said, it is finished. We should be the ones that should be excited out of the community. We get more excited about 25% return on our money than we got eternal life. Let's go out and be somebody. Let's be different because what has been given to us. Next thing, in these four verses, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't take out a sign. Don't write an article. Don't say, look at me. 
Just keep it quiet. Just serve. He's watching. Did you, do you read that? I mean, do you really believe this is true? So when you're giving, give in secret, then your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you? I was thinking this morning, you know, birthday. I was thinking about my dad. And my dad never, I mean, I I don't remember. I, I can call my mom and ask when I was born. I don't remember the time that I was born on October the 1st. But when my dad held me today for the first time, he didn't know your names. He didn't know we would be a family. He just served. And you've heard me say it before. He didn't serve because he saw service. He never saw his dad. He never heard, I love you. Never. Not one time. I don't ever remember a time when I walked away or called my dad, he didn't say, I love you. I don't remember. He served. And my life is different because of him. May your lives be different because you've met with your father. May we be excited about the reward that one day we're going to spend eternity with him. What will that be like? I don't know. So if you wrap up these first four verses, maybe you would say it this way. When you give, don't make it about you. And remind yourself that there are rewards. That this isn't all that there is. I mean, this at times is pretty cool. And there are times like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. And we go back and forth in the emotions. But there will be a day that we get to say thank you to our Heavenly Father. We get to say thank you to Jesus for dying. We get to say thank you for saying it is finished. We get to say thank you now that we understand that there's no condemnation for who we are. Yeah, we mess it up, but he still loves us. He still chose us. And then that takes me to the next part. And uh, I want to drop down to verse 9. I realize there's some things in there, 5 through 8. You can spend some time thinking about that. But I don't think Jesus is encouraging those people to go into their closet and stay in their closet and pray. When you read the word, word room in the King James Version, those we, we've heard Daniel share over the years, Henderson, that was a pretty big room. It wasn't your closet. So I think there's incredible importance for us to gather here as a family and intercede with God. God, help the two and three-year-olds today. God, the two and three-year-olds are a mess, but their mom is here or their dad's here, so would you do something in dad's heart today, please? But I want to get to verse 9. And I'm going to read 9 through 13, and then we're going to come back over. I know most of you could probably quote it, but this is, this is then how you should pray. So he's teaching. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from evil. 
So this morning, as we, as you think about your personal time with, with the Lord, I want to encourage you, when you think about prayer, I want you to think about communion with God. I want you to think about that you're meeting with the all-power, supernatural God saying, God, it's me and you today. Leave your list off to the side. Okay, don't start with your list. Start with communion. Start with an opportunity when you spend time in prayer with this word. Start with reverence. Start with, um, my father is worthy to be sought. You're worthy. Look how Jesus is is teaching his people. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reverence. Now, I want to do something with you, and and um, we'll get out here and uh, right close on time. I want to do something with you. Take your Bible and give me a passage of Scripture that you read, that that says to you that your Father is worthy to be sought this morning. Give me a passage of Scripture that says or talks about a characteristic of your Father that pauses you this morning to be in awe of Him. Give me a passage of scripture. Somebody give me one. An opportunity where you're going to be in reverence to your God. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So be in awe of God because he was there in the beginning. Yeah, and that's a choice. I need to be still and say, you know what, you're God. No matter what else is going on around me. Somebody else. Passage of Scripture of reverence. Yeah. What you have before you is the Word of God. It was there in the beginning. Are we in awe of Scripture? Or is it just the book that we, we, we bring out on Sunday morning, you know, dust it kind of off, get it here. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Or is it something that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning we're going to open it because we want to know what the most powerful creator of all wants from us today. He wants to speak truth into our life. Somebody else, one more. Yeah. So as you have, yeah. Got another one? Uh, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Yeah. It will remain. So when, we, when you hear us talk about prayer, we want you to think about Scripture. We want you to think about communion with God. We want you to think about reverence. And then I also want you to think about this, a response. And these are all things that I've learned with Daniel Henderson. And we have some of that information out here uh, for you to, to read about. If you want to read more about what, we're, what, I'm, what I'm explaining to you. And Sandy will be here too as well. Response. What is, should my response be to the creator of the universe? He's worthy. Guess what? I'm needy. He's worthy and I'm broken. He's worthy, and he's the one that's going to help those who are what? Needy. But we all have a sin nature. 
God resists who? Who? Do you believe that? You better. Because in your daily time with the Lord, if I'm involved in reverence, I need to stop and say, okay, wait a minute, Lord. I am needy. And for sake of time, there's a lot of passages of Scripture, but it will be good for you at time, when you have your time with the Lord, say, you know what, Lord? I want to go to Scripture and remind me a passage of Scripture that God helps the needy. One that we, um, you know, is kind of fresh on my mind, all that we've kind of been through the last couple of weeks. We've said it a couple different times here. Our God is a refuge and a strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We need trouble to remind ourselves that we need a refuge. If there's no trouble, we don't need a refuge. And I told first hour, we're not living on Carnival Cruise Line here. I mean, I like going on cruises. I don't do it often. I love eating pizza at 11 o'clock at night. It's incredible. They have ice cream pretty much whenever you want it. If you've never been on a cruise, uh, they're not paying me to say this. You need to do it. It's incredible. Your cell phone won't work. Um, if you get sick, they got stuff you can put behind your ears. Don't worry about seasickness. It's great. You're on like a 14-tower boat floating around, 14 stories tall, just floating around. Pizza's incredible. Do it. Give it a try. But that's not what Christians' lives are supposed to be, and that's what we've bought into. Lord, I want to be a Christian. I want to ride on carnival. No, no, no. That's not what it's supposed to be about. Because if you ride on carnival your whole life, you never learn that God is a refuge and a strength. You don't know what it means to have a shelter in a time of a storm if you ride in carnival. So I don't know if this is, you know, kind of my word picture. We're kind of a ship that rescues people and sends them back out into the world. I think, you know, Harry told us that over the years. We're like, this is floating hospital. Come here, get healed, and go, go minister to people. Go get involved in people's lives. Go find some healing here and then get out involved. So I want to encourage you with response. Uh, and get, let me get back to Matthew chapter 6. So you got our Father, hallowed be in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, there's your response, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not in charge. You don't run earth. You might think you run your house, but you really don't run that either. And, the, and the thing, another thing I want you to see is request. There's a time of prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, these are the things that are on our heart. These are these are my daily requests. My car might be broken. My air conditioning might be broken. You know, your power is out for a while. Whatever your requests are, take your requests to them. These are my needs, Father. And then the last thing that I want you to see this morning, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As you end up that prayer, I have a picture in my mind of a, of a kid standing on a diving board that's eager to jump. And there's just this readiness, and they're going to jump most likely either their parents are going to be down there, or, or they've learned how to swim, or if it's for their first time, they might put a lifeguard there, whatever. But it's just something new, it's something fun. There's excitement in their heart. And this is why I'm excited this morning, because I know that God will fight for us. 
for all of us. I mean, you come here this morning with whatever's going on in your world, and I come here this morning with whatever's going on in my world. And guess what? Your world and my world are messed up. And so we walk into a room, and sometimes we don't even know what to say. God, I don't know what you need, but whatever it is in your world, God, would you fight for this? And oftentimes, I'll say, God, fight for marriages at Bible Fellowship Church. God, fight for the youth. God, fight for the single moms. God, we can't meet all their needs. God, fight for those kids that we dropped off on Wednesday night. God, be in their home. Protect them. Help them to find you at a young age and not just find you, set you, set them free. Let them learn to run to you. God, fight for our widows. God, fight for our men. That we would know how to navigate the day and age that we live in when there's so much temptation. Wow, look what I did. I work here, or this, or this, or this. When really what we've been challenged to do as a man is to be a servant to your family, lead your family. And you've heard me say this, but I believe this with all my heart. Men, our boys will not do what they don't see us do. Ladies, your girls will not do what they don't see you do. And Satan knows that. So I pray for you in those areas. So this morning as we leave as a family, there's envelopes, those that are family members, and I encourage you to, Lord, what what do you want me to, whose names do you want me to check? And I also encourage you to ask yourself, where do you serve? Then I'd ask you, there'll be opportunity to give to the needy. Do it. One of the neat things about our, another neat thing about our family is um, I have nothing to do with the financial part of Bible Fellowship Church. I actually don't even have a key to get into the counting room. So when people give money on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, whenever they give money, I can't even get in in the room, and that's great with me. I can't sign any checks. Um, it's awesome. But what else is neat is, is when you give, I don't know who gives. And so I get to treat every single person. So I said this first hour, and I don't know what hap- who it is, but so I'll say it again second hour. There was a pretty substantial gift given a couple months ago. I heard there was a gift given. I don't know who you are, but I say thank you. Because your gift puts gas in the gray van. Your gift blesses moms on Wednesday night. Your gift helps keep the upstairs room cool so men can study the Bible. Your gift keeps the power on in the office so the overcomers can meet. And if you want, I could talk for a long time about your gifts, but I know you're probably getting hungry, so I won't. 
but I say thank you to whoever gave the gift. So let's be givers, not just financially, but our lives too. And let's let us then, as a family, let's be biblically thoughtful in this whole concept about prayer. Go back over Matthew chapter 6. Spend some time thinking about our Father. How would be your name? What is it? Father, what can I say thank you for? What characteristic that I read in your word that just grips my soul? Father, thank you for allowing us to meet as a family. And I know, Father, you know every single person's name. You know where they're going to go to lunch. You know what they're going to eat for lunch. You know what they're going to do for the next 10 years if you give them 10 years. But I pray, Father, that our hearts would be hunger for you as much as you hunger for us. So I would encourage you to commune with God this week. Develop that relationship. Leave your list behind. Stop telling God what you want him to do. Just listen. Read his word and listen. So, Father, thank you for allowing us to listen to your word this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would leave changed, that we would be willing to just pause our world and admit that we might not be doing something right and say, Holy Spirit, help me change. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather as a family to worship your word and send us out in the community to make a difference, to be a light in our community. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.